We are back, KCWG, the truth.com. The name of this program is Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, we are in a moment in our history where law enforcement is really under the microscope. And we are having some resonant discussions across our media stream, and people have had a chance to chime in, but it's been very, very rare that we've actually heard from people who are on the inside or who once were. So I am honored, ladies and gentlemen, on uh, an historic weekend where we're coming off of Father's Day weekend to welcome this father. He's also uh, a fellow officer of the law, and he has something that he would like to say and share with us from the perspective of a black police officer. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the very first time to Psychotic Bumpstool, the good brother, Mr. John Warren. Mr. Warren, are you there? I'm here, Rome. How are you? Oh, we are cool and the gang coming off of this weekend. You know what I'm saying? So it is such a pleasure to talk to you, good brother. Welcome to the program and a happy Father's Day weekend to you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And and thank you for having me on the show. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. So, uh, yeah, man, you've been seeing it, man. Uh, This country and this world is um, we're we're having a moment, man. I mean, needless to say. And uh, there's a, a, a rapture across this planet uh, when it comes to the topic of discussing police and law enforcement. Um, What can you tell us about, um, as a man, as a father, how would you best describe the morale of today's black police officer? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? I'll tell you a little bit about my background. First, I work for a large uh, metropolitan police department uh, uh, in the Southern California area. Mm-hmm. And I've uh, been doing so for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, what I see, you know, what's going on today is, is, is remarkable. It truly is. Um, you know, the, 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 the potential for true change and equality for black people is, is upon us, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe we've reached what we call the critical mass. Yes. That means enough people uh, are interested and uh, care enough that true change is really upon us. And, um, you know, from, from working with, uh, uh, in the police department for so many years, uh, you know, I've been through uh, quite a few riots. The L.A. riot, I was, I was there. Uh, and now, now this, this movement, that's called the Black Lives Matter movement uh, mm-hmm. is is uh, is upon us, and um, you know, I, I, I the the extent of the protests, you know, the amount of protests that are occurring all over the world, you know, it tells me that we've reached that that critical mass, and uh, that truly uh, true equality for Black people. Uh, has the potential to be achieved. And so I'm, uh, as a black man first, I'm, I'm very happy about that. As yeah. a black police officer, uh, you know, I, I see that, you know, the catalyst for this change 
uh, is really uh, what's occurred and is occurring in police brutality. Mm. Um, and I tell you this as a, uh, uh, as a police officer, um, no one hates a bad cop more than a good cop. Our job is just so hard. It's so difficult, uh, you know, in and of itself. So if you're a good police officer, which most of us are, um, a great many of us are, it's, it's, it, 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 it hurts us. It pains us deeply. Mm. And as a black police officer, uh, it pains us so deeply uh, to see what, what, occurring uh and what's captured being captured mm. um i think this is because of two things mm -hmm. uh, really the, the first is that we have a we have a leader uh who uh, has been called divisive mm -hmm. uh who who emboldens um racist behavior mm. uh and so really um that may be a fortunate thing for us as black people, because it's bringing out into the light uh, evil, mm. and we're able to see it. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is the use of our cell phones and the cameras and video uh, recorders in them. We're able to see, you know, black folks have been complaining about mistreatment mm. um, for years and years and years. And it's, quite honestly, I know that it's been pushed aside, not really, uh, not really cared about truly mm. by those in power. Mm. But now when you have video showing, mm. and I think I read something where, where um, uh, Will Smith said this, it's not that, you know, that this has not been occurring. It's just that now mm -hmm. it's being captured and we're being able to bring it to the light so everyone can see. Yeah. So, um, so yes, I, I'm, if I'm looking through, you, you know, clear eyes, I definitely see this happen. And I know this is the catalyst, mm. uh, this catalyst for change. Hmm. Well, since you're looking through that list, that lens of, of history, I mean, you're making me think, man, I'm going off script a little bit here because you talk about a critical mass and you talk about 1992. And I remember that time of uh, Rodney King. And ironically, that was precipitated by another video shot by a man, ironically, by the name of George Holliday. <laughs> and you were yeah. right in the thick of that as a black police officer even back then. Uh, yes. In what ways was that time similar to this one? Are there any parallels that you see as a, a commonplace? Because that was representative of a sort of a critical mass for that time period as well. Uh, what commonalities do you see? Um, you, you know, uh, I guess, uh, I see, I see a great difference between that time and, 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 and the black lives matter movement. Okay. Uh, at, at that time it was, uh, the rioting was an emotional, uh, knee jerk reaction to, a, a terrible harm that had been done to a black man and thus the black community. Mm -hmm. And and so the writing was done uh, as as a, a show of anger uh, for what was occurring. You know, it was uh, a rebellious, uh, maybe and, and largely unorganized uh, oh. thing. And and 
and the rioting was taking place in the black communities. Mm-hmm. This time, this time, mm-hmm. the protests seem to be more organized. Well, they are more organized, uh, more broad spread, and and the vision, uh, the vision is 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 clear. Um, you know, people were able to see George Floyd's murder. Mm-hmm. You know, streaming, and uh, man, I'm just uh, I'm thinking about it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, first time I saw that video, mm-hmm. uh, I was so hurt and angered mm-hmm. uh, as just a person and the lack of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, It it it, 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 I had to pause just like I'm doing now because yeah. the emotions stir up, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and um, you know, as a as a as a police officer, I'm I'm watching this, and I'm wondering what is he what is he doing? Mm-hmm. You know, there was this look of evil in his face. This this uh this um large ego mm. uh this this uh this need to be dominant mm-hmm. and uh you know i'm what is what what is he doing mm-hmm. and and uh what you, do you know we we saw what what do you think he was what do you think that was about you know, I, I think so. So as I I, I think about, it, I examine uh, policing in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see the number one problem in policing uh, really being ego, mm. and the inability to turn that ego off. So understand this: that officers are trained to be safe and tactical. So the first time we encounter someone uh, that we don't know. We're going to give you orders. We're going to give you demands. We're going to we're going to tell you, you know, if if we have a reason to to stop you, and that's a whole different conversation. But if we have a true reason to stop you, we're going to order you to. Uh, you may I'll go through it. Uh, put your hands up. Turn around. Mm-hmm. Turn away from me. Uh, uh, put your hands on top of your head. Put your hands behind your back. Interlock your fingers. We're going to come up and we're going to squeeze your fingers and we're going to, as we do a, what we call a pat-down search, we're searching for weapons. Now, once that's over, once that's over, then it's time to turn it off. Hmm. It's time to be human. Hmm. And it's, sir, sir, uh, or ma'am, you know, the reason why we stopped you is because of this. And, you know, can you tell me about this? What, do, what can you, let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, because we have reason someone's either called us or we have reason to believe that you may, you know, have done a crime, about to do a crime uh, or a crime was in pro- progress mm-hmm. and we have to do that. So, you know, so many times, the majority of times, you know, it, there's some way to explain this. There's, there's you know, there's a there's a, a reason there's a reason for the suspicion and then there may be a reason to, to, okay, calm that suspicion. And here's the reason why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why experience as a police officer is so important because 
as you go through uh, these, you know, daily and, and hundreds of times, you, you could kind of, you start to, to realize. The other thing is, you know, I, I grew up in, I grew up poor. I grew up in, in a, in a, in an area that, uh, um, you know, was uh, housing projects and things like that. So, so that is with me uh, throughout my life. And so I understand, um, personally, I understand, but many officers come uh, young and they come from places, maybe they've never even seen anyone of color or different cultures, hmm. uh, you know, and so, you know, they, that, and oftentimes that, that is a fear. And then you go into an academy, an institution that teaches you, um, the more you sweat up here, the less you bleed on the streets. Oh, wow. And then you, then you go out into, uh, uh, you know, so we're already starting to have this us against them mentality. Mm-hmm. You see? Mm. Yeah. And so now you go out into, uh, and you're working with the training. And this is very critical, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe this, this, officer was a training officer the one who i won't even dignify him with his name but mm-hmm. he put his uh, knee into george floyd's neck mm-hmm. and that ego uh and being a training officer because the uh, my understanding is the, at least one of the other officers may have been his his third or fourth night out mm-hmm. uh, and so he's being trained and he's watching this you know and 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 I think at one point he says, hey, Kim, let's turn him over his side. And, and he, he was met with nothing. He just continued to put his his uh, knee in his neck. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and so um, this training officer is very important in the development of a, of a new officer. You know, right. there were times when you go out and your training officer would say, forget about what you learned in the academy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you how it really is here on the streets. Right. And, um, and so the, there's this lack of, uh, and, and, and many departments have and are changing these things uh, as this is going. It's been recognized, and in many larger departments, these things are changing. But uh, in some of the smaller departments, uh, uh, there's there's really a lack of, of, of good proper training i i feel and i and i'd say that based on the things that i see them doing their their tactics their the way they they treat people uh and these kind of things now mm-hmm. understand this but don't get me wrong mm-hmm. there has to be a certain amount of confidence a certain amount of confidence that you need to be a police officer to deal with the many things and the many evils that you 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 you're paid to 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 keep the community safe and there are as we know there are many things out there that threaten that safety um but you you don't want to be one of those you 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 want you want to be you want to be the quote unquote hero you want to you want to keep the community safe ideally and mm. ideally you want to do this together with the community mm. so um so yeah. if we're talking about police reform, I think it's, it's, it's very much needed. Yeah. Very much needed. 
Absolutely. Well, um, I'm glad you're here to, to talk about it with us because we, we need to have those conversations with someone like you who obviously cares, but you are being given the same grouping, if you will, with all the officers who have made these, these fatal mistakes. And trying to overcome that is a battle in itself. And I think about uh, all the, 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 the women out there that have been mistreated and they finally come across a good guy, but it, it's hard for them to trust because of yes. the level of disappointment that they've been subjected to in the past. And overcoming that is what I wonder how our officers out there are dealing with this right now. Um, there, there are a lot of misconceptions about officers that are out there right now, and you've kind of alluded to a lot of them. Are there any one or yeah. two in particular that you want to dispel right now while we have you here? What, what are the most common, most frustrating misconceptions about officers, maybe even particularly black police officers during this moment that you would like to clear up for us today? Sure, sure, Rome. That, uh, that's a great analogy. You, you, you look at, you know, trust, you know, ha trying to have a, a woman trust you after she's been wronged, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, that's a great analogy here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think the first thing is, and I'll, I'll say it right here, uh, if you wear a uniform, if you're a police officer anywhere, mm -hmm. uh, you're guilty. Huh. You're guilty. And when I say you're guilty, mm -hmm. when I say you're guilty, you're guilty by association. Yeah. And what that simply means is that you have to understand that there's a problem. Mm. You have to accept that there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first thing, right? That's the first thing is recognizing, yes, there's a problem, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I tell you, I tell you this in the, in the police communities, even that, even that accepting that there's a problem is, is difficult. Wow. You know, is difficult. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, something as obvious as this, as, as what occurred to George Floyd mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, you know, I've heard things that the official, the official uh, autopsy said that he died of, you know, drugs and compression. Well, I saw murder with my own eyes. Mm -hmm. And wow. And, and so, 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 you know, this is the first thing. And so, I want to I want to say here that that uh, we're guilty by association, okay. um, and and that and and exactly what that means that means is that we have to we have to understand there's a problem and and if there's a problem then we we're duty bound to to fix these problems. Mm -hmm. And some of the ways the one of the ways I think we can do is we need to we need to um, we need to use, lose this us against them mentality. It's pervasive. Mm -hmm. um, it's pervasive. And um, before we get there, let, let's just understand uh, a few things um, just about, just about, I'll say, young men. So predominantly, young men are police officers. And predominantly, the, the people and criminals we deal with are young men. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, I was a young man. A young man and uh and you were a young man and they're young men out there and and many times young men don't make good decisions right and and so with that with with that uh there there's there's a problem there's a maturity problem mm -hmm. and so on both sides so we will continue to have uh 
police problems just on those. But those are those are those are understandable. Mm-hmm. But what we need to understand also uh, are these are really matters of the heart. You know, the it's a you know uh, the Bible says that only God knows a, a man's heart, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. so so we're you know we're only trying to 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 see a man's heart through through actions, and so yeah. so um, that's where we are. I do have some ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing is. One thing is that we have um, the problem I see is diversity, a lack of diversity through our through our departments. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, we need diversity not only in the departments and then in the what we call the patrol function, mm-hmm. but also in the small units. You know, I'm I'm uh, I, when I look across the nation, I see our SWAT units. Well, really, what are special weapons and tactics units all about? Well, they're going to be called when there's uh, somebody that's barricaded and it's there's likely to be an encounter that's going to be, you know, gunplay and very violent. And in those in those situations, someone's going to be killed. And, you know, there's a high, high likelihood that person that's going to be killed is one of color. Mm-hmm. And so. So, so, so when you have an all white team or, you know, uh, teams like that lacking in diversity, you know, and we already talked about the us against them mentality and we can go further to even suggest that that type of atmosphere breeds racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we have squads or small units going in and uh and killing someone of color yeah uh that to me is is wrong mm-hmm. that to me shows me that we need uh more diversity in not only our departments and our patrol functions but our departments in our small specialized units that are that are uh, in the task force mm-hmm. uh, you know fbi i mean we have different officers coming from different different departments to go, to be part of a what we call a task force to fight a certain uh, element of crime yeah those type of things can I ask you a question um yes sir I have a question uh you make a good point ladies and gentlemen this is case G, the truth.com's program is called psychotic bump school I'm DJ Rome we're speaking to the good brother uh, officer John Warren uh, Long time uh, officer of law enforcement. Uh, he's breaking down some things for us here on Psychotic Bum School. Really appreciate you being here. I'm listening to you. And first of all, thank you for saying what you just said. I mean, there, there, it's a lot for men of no matter what demographic they represent to admit culpability. And for you to say that officers are guilty uh, by association, uh, whether you mean that literally or figuratively or theoretically, idealistically, just the sound of hearing those words is resonating and, and it's cathartic for us who just crave for a little bit, an iota of accountability because we're not seeing that in the highest levels of leadership in this country as a, on a macro level, but on a micro level in these individual silos throughout all these communities throughout the country, we're not seeing responsibility or accountability being taken by those in leadership. So I, for one, really, really appreciate 
you saying what you just said. And when you talk about diversity and the, the need to add diversity to the police forces, because like you rightfully said, again, I agree with this too, that it, it's sort of a young man's game, right? Law enforcement is usually, yes. tends to be uh, staffed with people who are, uh, you know, young bucks. <laughs> and no disrespect to them for being young. It's like, like you said, we were once young bucks too. So we get it. Yeah. But at the same time, you are prone to make certain judgment calls that, you know, the benefit of age and time on this earth doesn't afford you when you're younger, right? We understand that. But here, yeah. here's the part though, you know, when you, when you talk about diversifying, I'm thinking about those, those students in Atlanta who were pulled out of their cars and Mayor Bottoms immediately took action uh, disciplinary wise to fire those officers and those were black officers. So yeah. my, my question is how, if, if you're, I don't think you're wrong by making that suggestion, but what happens, mm -hmm. how do you account for black officers and Hispanic officers uh, perpetuating the same treatment against black bodies and black lives that is typically uniquely assigned to officers that don't look like them at all. What, how do we account for when it happens from our, you know, one of our own, from our own community? You know, um, officers are held to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. You know, we, are, uh, we, um, we, 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 we make an oath uh, to protect and serve uh, all of, our communities, mm -hmm. um, you know, there there are going to be mistakes. Now, how egregious those mistakes are, you know, uh, determines the the penalty. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, each one of them uh, judge have to be judged individually. Um, so, so one thing that kind of comes to mind is uh, Breonna Taylor, right? Yes. The shooting that occurred and, and you, you talked about accepting responsibility. Well, you know, sometimes uh, lawsuits get in the way of that. And so I look for courageous chiefs, chiefs of police to come out and say, hey, listen, this was a mistake. We're mm -hmm. sorry. Reach out to the mother and the grieving family, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but from a legal standpoint, that is highly unadvisable mm. because of the pending lawsuits and things like that. So, so we have a choice. Mm. Uh, in my opinion, are we going to be, uh, are we going to care about money or are we going to care about people? Oh. And, and it's very easy for me to say, I'm not in that position, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, but any lawyer would tell you that you would, you would, be making a grave mistake coming out and admitting guilt or, or, uh, or, or showing humanity. Well, this is a, this is a, you know, this is an incredible thing for if, if you've ever seen a, a chief or someone in power to come out and be human with, mm -hmm. with, a, with, with someone. And I think, I think that those kind of things go a long way. And we're talking about you know, back to the thing with ego and turning it off, mm -hmm. understanding, you know, where your priorities lie. That's right. Uh, is so important. 
And so I say that's true for, for every, everyone, mm-hmm. um, law enforcement or not, but for law enforcement, you're held to a higher standard and you're, 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 you're duty bound to take care of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in doing, in doing this, uh, in doing this, there's, there are sometimes mistakes and when mistakes are made, I think it's important for us to be transparent, for us to be human, uh, in spite of all the legal wranglings that go mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's that's the first thing that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being a black police officer, uh, you know, I, I, I work in the same neighborhood that I, I grew up in for, for, for a long while. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I love, I love the people there. I still have friends and family, you know, nearby and, and, uh, and, and, um, you know, when you care, it shows. That's right. Uh, and I think the, I think the reverse is true. When you don't care, it shows. Mm-hmm. Eventually it will show. Absolutely. And so we're, we're back uh, to a, a play of, of the heart here. Mm. Um, but if I could, I want to, I want to try to bridge that gap yes. uh, between this us against them mentality to, mm-hmm. to really having us against the evil or criminal element. And some, some ways of doing that uh, yes. we talk about, we talked about diversity, increasing mm-hmm. diversity in our, not only our patrol functions, but in our small units. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then diversity also in the leadership and, and, and the leadership is the supervisors in those units have to be strong leaders mm-hmm. and there sh- should be a diversity among those leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lack, some of the problems is also a, not only a lack of diversity, but a lack of public interaction or compassion. So one of the things, uh, that I've done and, and, and other people have done are they've done ride alongs. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where someone member of the community goes and they ride along with you and they can see, you know, what's going on. One of the things you uh, I can tell you that the people that I've had on ride alongs uh, and shown, they are absolutely amazed, mm-hmm. not at the not really at the aggressiveness of police officers, but at, at their ability to sort and manage and 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 be clear-headed about about most matters mm-hmm. um and i think that would be true for just about anyone we have this thing called a, a situation simulation where you take these uh they show a screen they show uh, different scenarios and they allow people to come and you know participate in this this you know these are based off true life situations that occurred and how would you react and you know, and most of the people, uh, without any training and without any uh, prior enforcement, you know, a lot of media, they go up there and they shoot everything and everybody, you know, um, and, and that's just a, a insight. I just want to relay how difficult the job is, but mm-hmm. also how how we really need to bring this this us against them mentality to. Better. So we talked about ride-alongs. The next thing is every day we go to roll call, right? So when if you're a police officer, you start your day by getting dressed and then going to a roll call. 
you put your uniform on and then uh, a supervisor will tell you, hey, here's what happened last night or the night before the week. Here's some suspects that we're looking for. Here's some uh, here's, here's some things we need to take care of today or, or, or during this shift. Uh, and then he assigns you cars and you, you're assigned a partner um, and, and a certain segment to, to patrol. Well, there's not a whole lot of private information that could not be given to the community in those in those roll calls. Why not take and move some of those roll calls to the community? Why not have a uh, uh, a shopping center, you know, and and then invite the community to come and be part of the roll call? And now what have we created? We created an, an us and all of us mm -hmm. against the criminal element to make the make the area safe you created a better understanding right mm -hmm. you uh during roll call we usually have a roll call training some sort of training we do that reinforces um you know some element of tactics or some element of of, of safe policing uh and and they'll they'll be privy to see that happening um and like I said, these community roll calls, maybe they can happen at a, at a church. Maybe it can happen at a, at a park. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it really wouldn't take, uh, you know, too much more than the wanting to do that to bring us closer together. Well, and I think that would go a, a long way. Absolutely. Uh, based from your standpoint, how much consensus currently exists for uh, a reimagining of the police in with, with that particular recommendation that you're suggesting right there. Do you have consensus for that in the police departments? Well, I, I can, I can tell you that, that, um, uh, the roll calls, uh, uh, it's my idea, my, my, and it's pretty radical uh, idea, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Some people may think, mm -hmm. think it is. Okay. Um, so, so these, these are just suggestions that I've put forth. Mm -hmm. uh, in my own department, mm -hmm. in my own department. And, uh, and we're looking at quite honestly with, with, uh, everything that's going on. And I said this before, we're, we're, we're ripe for change now, yes, you know, uh, the critical mass of So, so many departments mm -hmm. are reaching out and learning how, how to do that. Mm -hmm. Look what's happened in the, in the NFL. Right. Uh, you know, with the, with the, with the, uh, Colin Kaepernick kneeling. You know, mm -hmm. look what's, look what's, the, and apologies come out and money's been given, you know, and so, you know, if, if we can change in those type of arenas, then why can't we broaden that change in many other type of arenas? I agree. Um, and in order to escape the, the trap of the, just the symbolism of that and at the expense of real change, real systematic policy changes, um, I hope you're right, and I hope that there is a two-pronged approach to addressing this critical mass that you keep referring to here, because there's an opportunity here right now that this window, I don't know how long this window is going to be open, uh, good brother. <laughs> I don't, I don't mm -hmm. know how open people's ears are going to be to this as we're struggling to, to reopen the country and social distancing is is basically over and we might be going back into sheltering in place once again because the cases of coronavirus are are likely going to continue to spike uh, exponentially because we're 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 in a really 
difficult time with that right there. But it, what yeah. you say? Someone, someone, someone told me that the Black Lives Matter movement was the halftime show for the COVID. How about that? <laughs> I'm like, that's deep. Yeah. It might be. It might I'm be. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It might so very well be. What? Because when I listen to you. Good brothers. I mean, John, you, you, you have such a calming voice. And when you talk about the diversity needed in the police departments, I have no uh, adverse comment to, to say against that, because I, I think you're right. When Chief Arredondo spoke out in Minneapolis and he took off his hat on national television and apologized to the family of George Floyd, that was a powerful moment. Sure. And I have, yes. I mean, I'm, I work in mental health. I, I'm a psychologist. I have interns. I have students that are trying to do what I do. And I want to set a good example. And I want to lead by yes. example, because I know that when they get out in the field, they're going to be emulating the model and example that I've set for them once, the, once I'm not around. And so what is it that yes. makes it so hard? Can, can you please dispel this for us? Well, what is it that makes it so hard for good cops to speak up and speak out? and to be that calming influence that this moment so sorely calls out for? Well, you have to understand that police departments are quasi-military organizations. Hmm. And so there's a command structure, right? And um, you wouldn't go, depending on what rank you were, you probably wouldn't go past, you wouldn't uh, skip rank, you wouldn't, you would, there's a chain of command that you have to go through. Mm-hmm. And that chain of command, you know, trying to get your message across uh, and do it through a chain of command is, is, uh, is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. It's difficult because that message gets distorted. That message gets evaluated. Everyone has to sign off as it goes up. And then, uh, you know, is the chief, you know, actually getting your message. And we have many, uh, many uh, of the executives have an open door policy where you can, where, where supposedly you can go into their offices and speak. Mm. But in doing so, you, you, uh, you stand to be ridiculed. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, um, like I said, the us against the mentality is, yeah. is prevalent. So if you step outside of that, you, you're not showing solidarity um, with, with other law enforcement officers, mm-hmm. then you, you, you're, you can be labeled as a, uh, as a, um, I don't know, a sellout in the police department, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, so know, and, and so, so, but, but, you know, that's okay. We get paid to be courageous. Mm-hmm. And so, so law enforcement officers need to understand that, um, mm-hmm. you know, they need to be strong and courageous. Uh, not only to get paid for that, you are hired because of those traits. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, stepping out and voicing your opinion, uh, you know, although it's very difficult, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's sort of, and we've had people that have gotten fired because they uh, went against went against that, and so that sends an- another message. Depending on what department you're from. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, they've given. But let me, fin- let, let me finish with some. 
Let me yeah. finish up with just some uh, one more one more item of reform, mm -hmm. if I can. Sure. And then we'll hit on those things. Uh -huh. um, you know, it's important that 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 if we're going to work with different cultures, that we understand those cultures. And so one of the things that that uh, many departments do is they'll send their employees to like uh, the Holocaust Museum mm -hmm. where they'll learn about uh, what happened during the Holocaust and and they'll have a better understanding for the Jewish community. And they make great strides in, in, in having this occur with police departments. Mm -hmm. But what about our African-American museums? Mm. You know, what about educating all law enforcement on on our culture you know they need to understand slavery stolen from africa 400 years civil war emancipation you know mm -hmm. um you know slaves still you know for another crop mm -hmm. you know promises unkept 40 acres and a mule sharecroppers right. still slaves then jim crow laws mm -hmm. uh, the tulsa oklahoma massacre you know, Black Wall Street, mm -hmm. you know, that massacre. You know, many, many of our own people don't understand that. They don't understand the significance of our president wanting to have a rally on Juneteenth mm -hmm. in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Right. Many of our own people don't understand how much a slap in the face that is mm -hmm. to us. Right. You know, um, and then we had separatism and segregation, the lack of proper education, mm -hmm. despair, drugs and alcoholism, mm -hmm. you know, civil rights movement started mm -hmm. by Emmett Till, Rosa Parks, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the civil rights movement was was a struggle for decency, not equality. Right. It was so we can sit at a counter mm -hmm. and eat. Yeah. It was so we can use the same restroom, use a water fountain. Mm. Right on a bus. Mm -hmm. This was a struggle for decency. Yes. Civil rights, civil rights, mm -hmm. not not equal rights. Right. You know, the struggle for equal rights is much, much harder. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, and when we consider the cost, they killed our leaders. Yes. You know, what happened to affirmative action? We look at environmental Flint, Michigan, mm. you know. And now we have Black Lives Matter and we have this critical mass. It's a great opportunity for us as black people to, to change. Mm -hmm. And so we have a large and concerned and enlightened audience now. Yes. Yeah. And so it's, it's you know, but, but it needs to be, we need to understand that it's not just uh, a sorrowful feeling because extremist behavior towards black people. We need to know, do you believe in true equality for black people? Mm. You know, racism is the affirmation of race is inferior. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you something. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you saw a, a video by um, Emmanuel Acho, mm. really eloquent guy. Uh, I think he was an NFL player, but he's put out something that's, if you haven't seen it, uh, and I'm talking to, you, to the people who are listening also, mm. if you haven't seen this, you've got to see Emmanuel Alcho conversation. It's uncomfortable conversations with the black man. So mm. when he, he's put out a, a number of them now, uh, the first one, I watched the first one with my family, my, 
my two boys, my wife here, we watched it and we had a discussion afterwards about it. And, um, you know, really probably a, a great family discussion, you know, of a black family talking about things. And then I did something at the end that was telling. Mm. Um, and we're talking about the uh, law enforcement and changing them. And, and so, but I'm going to switch over to mm. our black families. Okay. I asked, uh, I asked my boys, I said, I said, and to my wife also, I said, I'm going to say something. I want you to say the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. So I said, and I'll do the same with you, Asian. Uh, the culture, A-S-I-A-N? Asian, yes. So you got to understand, my boys both are in, they're both in college. So, um, so Asian. And they came out and they said, smart. Both of them said smart. Then mm -hmm. I said, Indian. Hardworking. Okay. Then I said, Mexican. They said, laborers. Mm. And then I said, white. And they said, privileged. Okay. And then I said, black. And the look on their face told me that I was failing in an aspect of fatherhood that I needed to pay more attention to. Mm. You see, my boys need to look at themselves as, as kings, mm -hmm. as heroes, mm -hmm. as brilliant young men. Yes, sir. When they look in the mirror, they need to see their blackness as powerful. Right. And so I want to say this, I want to say this is so true because I believe in the family. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that. that true change in our culture happens within the family. And I try to raise my boys. I'm raising my boys, my children as, as godly men. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I challenge everyone to do that because if we don't work on ourselves, um, you know, I don't think, I think that's the beginning of change truly. And then if we work from there, I think we can do it, anything anything so did they give you an answer when you said black what what was their response lazy inferior and we talked about this and you know uh i prayed over this hmm. you know and and uh you know, I wonder how many other families of culture, uh, what what they would say to those questions. Say the first thing that comes out of your mind when you when you say the word. And your sons are in what age bracket? 
So, so my oldest is 21. My youngest is 19. They're both uh, college students, and uh, you know they're home because of COVID. So, so school is closed. So they're they're home uh, taking classes online. Mm. Wow. You said that if, um, well, talk to me further. So I say that I, the reason why I didn't bring this out, I put my own family on the line. Uh -huh. is I don't think that this is, I don't, I don't think that this is unique. It's not. Yeah. It's not unique. And when you talk about educating and getting people to uh, be sensitive to the people that they, they may be in community with. Because like you said, if you come from a certain place, you may not have been privy to certain cultures and certain norms of a, a group of people. And so you, you, you have a, a blind spot. And I would even um, say you're, you're absolutely right to have them study uh, the civil rights and that, that struggle of slavery. But there was also the, the great uh, African empires back in the, the motherland, the King Askia Muhammad and the Ghana, Mali, and Songhe empires where, where black people were kings and rulers and the most powerful people on this earth. And Mansa Musa, still to this day, even more wealthier than Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and uh, what's the guy's name on Twitter? Jack Dorsey. I mean, Mansa Musa oh, yeah. was, he's still pound for pound, the wealthiest man that ever lived. And he was a black man. Now, if our people knew that, uh, in what way would that influence a response when they're prompted with the question of what comes to mind when you hear black, you know? Yes, yes, it, yes. It change the dynamic. So I agree with you. I think that is far more common than we realize. And it, it does sort of chime as a commentary as what, uh, how do we respond to that knowing that that's where we are? Because at the end of the day, yeah. um, it's, it's information and it's information to uh, use as a tool for action for the future. I, un I also understand that what it does just, just emotionally, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, we're going into another place. I, I'm a psychologist, uh, Mr. Warren. So th it's, this is kind of, um, dynamic in the black community is very personal and palpable to me as well uh, because it speaks yes. to how much we're hurting you know we're we're, we're hurting yes and it, it's a, it's a there there's a multitude of ways to assess the depth and degree of that hurt because we are not a monolith i mean some of us come from two parent households with a black father and a black mother or two parents yes. two solid functioning present and able to parent parents in the home. And some of us still emerge from that with a certain level of worldwide acumen that when put to the test, it may come as a surprise to where people are. And the information that e emerges from that is, is helpful and useful as a tool to go forward because it, it gives us an indication of where we need to begin our, our work I wonder, because remember the movie Black Panther when uh, T'Challa went into his dream state and he, in, he was back with his, his dad, uh, T'Shaka. Yes. I may have those names wrong. Yes. And T'Shaka yeah. Black Panther said, you know, I, I'm not ready to live without you. I'm not ready. And then the first thing the dad said, the ancestor at that point, he said, 
have I failed you as a father? If I have not prepared you to, to live in this moment right now, I must have failed you. And so I understand that yeah. sentiment, you know, whether it's true or not, I can understand that sentiment because when you, you accept that responsibility of parenting someone and raising them up, uh, the things that come out of their lips, they're those beautiful, soulful spirits that you've raised uh, will not only inspire you, but also cause at times to experience a level of distress. You know, yes. and, and, and that's very human. And so we we have these needs in our community, particularly the black community, to make sure that we address that need. And there is a distress and it's not monolithic. And so that's why it's so uh, refreshing to listen to you. Because you're giving a level of humanity to this discussion that totally breaks down those walls of us versus them. It's like, you're a human being, good brother. And you are a father that wants to go home to your kids every night, just like we do. And so the problem is that there's very rare sympathy for what's considered to be the oppressor. You know, these police unions have such a loud voice. I saw Michael Mero on TV two weeks ago talking about, he's in New York saying, you know, we're tired of being treated like thugs and animals. Treat us with some respect. You know, what happened in Minneapolis, this isn't, this police badge here in New York City is not stained because of what happened in Minneapolis. We do condemn that behavior, but you're treating us like thugs and animals. And people are looking at that. It's like, well, welcome to our life, Mr. O'Mara. <laughs> and yeah. then we, we, yeah. see, we see the cop, the white female cop going through the drive-through crying because she didn't get her English muffin. She's saying, you know, we can't take much more of this. And I have to put my psychologist hat on to a certain degree and yeah. say that, you know, I can understand from an empathetic standpoint that I don't want to judge her as being a whiner, but then I got to get really real. It's like, we're tired. We're tired of people not seeing our humanity, you know, our yeah. humanity and the, the very real desire we have to want to go back home and reconnect with our loved ones so that we can fill our spirits up again. And so yes. I guess what I'm saying is, how do we continue to bridge that gap? You've been talking about some of those things. Uh, there's the defund the police thing when they talk about reappropriating funds. You mentioned some great ideas during this conversation with diversifying hiring practices and having some roll calls with the community, possibly in a church. I would be open to that. And yeah. you said that some segments may consider that to be radical. What's radical about that? When you're getting beat and pummeled, there's no such thing as radical. I'm saying everything should be on the table when, you're, when it's your people that's being slaughtered. Okay, there's nothing radical about wanting to stop the slaughtering and the bloodshed. So I'm wondering, as we come from this conversation, What's your level of optimism that we can actually do this? Will ideas that you've shared with us during this conversation, how, what steps can we take in order to help you bring those ideas to, to the light with more fruition and validity? What can we do? Well, um, the uh, first thing is, you know, as, as a black man with a black family, you need to represent hope. You really do. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, your your family goes as you go. And so you have to represent hope and you have to believe in that hope. 
Um, and so, so I'm, I'm very hopeful. I'm, I'm excited. You know, um, you know, many people, uh, uh, talk about, you know, the protests and then, uh, the writing that occurred on the side. I see that as different, but from a whole, and, and, and this may not be a very popular opinion, but I see those, uh, those are the, the birthing pains of change. Mm-hmm. You know, every great change that, that have, has occurred in history has been a result of, you know, the Boston Tea Party. Yep. Uh, you know, it's been, a, it's, it's the birthing pains. It's the cycle of, of anger mm-hmm. that precipitates change. Yes. And, and so, um, although I, you know, from a police officer, I certainly don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, if we're thinking about the uh, city of Los Angeles, I think that, uh, the mayor there and the chief there, uh, now, let's just say the mayor was trying to be uh, very soft and allow anything to happen. So I know that those police officers uh, uh, wanted to stop the pro not the protest, but the, the looting that was going on mm. and they weren't allowed to. So that's why you saw police standing very close and people allowed to loot because they were you know, given the order not, you know, not to stop the, you know, to, to allow it to happen. Yeah. And let's see if things would calm down on its on its own. Right. And it was and and once once they were given uh, the ability to take action, then you saw that it, it was it was it was squelched uh, very quickly. And and then the peaceful protests went on uh, with you know without much uh, um, uh, violence involved at all. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, so I, I believe in protests. I believe in peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. I believe in nonviolent uh, change. But I do see the, the the violence, and I'm talking about the rioting as as you know, like I said, the birthing pains of, of change. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I see it from that aspect. But what we can do, I mean, this is this is full facet. I mean, the mm-hmm. first first of all is have a true partnership. So in the, in the Bible, there's a story and, and it, it's a parable Jesus tells about, uh, the one she, he leaves, he leaves the 99 sheep to go for the one sheep, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Let's just call that sheep, the black, sh- the black sheep, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be found and rescued, you know, and renewed. Mm-hmm. And that's in Matthew 18, 13 through five, and also in Luke 15, one through seven. Right. You know, it's the good shepherd in the parable of the lost sheep. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, as black people right now, I believe we're the lost sheep. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, we have pride and we don't, we don't need help from you. And I've heard this, but the truth is we, we do need help. Mm-hmm. We need help in, a, in, in many areas. Well, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. Uh, we're listening to the good brother, John Warren. He's an officer in uh, California. Uh, he's breaking down some stuff with us, y'all. Psychotic Bump School. What an honor to have him here. Uh, you just said you wrote something down, man. I'm curious, man. What was it? So, um, give me one second here. Mm-hmm. 
because so many people have been passionate and they've been feeling things. It's, it's forced us to tap into our creativity in ways that we didn't know we had in us. And a lot of things have emerged from us and out of us as a result of seeing laid bare all of the disparate inequities that have long been touted and some of us have not been privy or privileged enough to, to recognize it, to be able to identify it, um, much less experience it firsthand. And this has just been a perfect storm. This is what I've been saying to people. This moment was just a, a critical mass, as you've been saying, but a perfect storm to where people couldn't look away from this one this time, even if they wanted to. And if they had shot George Floyd instead of what they did to him, we, we wouldn't be having this moment right now because they had to see it. They had to see the absolute uh, violent, heartless uh, rendering of uh, inhumanity to that brother in order for people to feel it palpably. And you had said, I mean, this presidency, as, as horrible as it's been, uh, these things quite possibly would have never fomented under a different administration. Who knows? But that's something that I also cannot disagree with either because I have, <laughs> it's very possible. Did you find what you were looking for? I did, I did. And so I wrote this, um, uh, I was speaking to a, a friend, another, another, uh, another black man about, um, you know, how different we have to teach our, our boys, we yeah. teach our boys, you know, how to survive an encounter with a police officer. Mm -hmm. Right. Who else really needs to do that with their children? And here I am, a police officer, and I have to teach my sons how to survive an encounter with police. Some people think this is extreme, but no, this is, if a, I, I feel, and I told him this, I said, I, you would be remiss in your duties as a black father if you didn't teach your sons uh, how to interact with the police. Mm. And so, uh, so, you know, it's, it's called, you must survive the encounter. Mm -hmm. uh, we have had to, for generations, teach our sons to cower down to policemen, not just be respectful, but to cower, mm. stroke his ego and do not raise his anger. And then I imagine that my forefathers had to teach their sons much of the same thing, yes. to cower down to, to slave masters and do not arouse his anger. Do not question his immoral or unethical or evil behavior. When he demeans you, do not raise a fuss. When he rapes your sisters and your mother, be silent. Don't raise a fuss. When he has his knee on the back of your neck, beg. Beg for your life and call out for your mama. Mm. Mm. And so, you know, I hope that this ends. Mm -hmm. I want this to end. Yeah. And um, I believe you. I think I think we're on the verge that maybe we never have to come back to this place. That maybe we can uh, choose police officers that have good hearts. Hmm. Uh, choose police officers that are courageous strong warriors against the evil that is the criminality mm -hmm. to truly serve first and keep safe 
all our communities. It's it's so needed. And and this is uh, you know this is uh, this is what we need to we need to to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for police reform, I think that there's there's many things we can do, but uh, genuinely, it's it's to bring uh, people together to understand each other truly, mm-hmm. and to truly care about each other. And so I, I think that's we want to bring we want to make these two Americas one. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do we so teach empathy? Um, I mean, how do we teach empathy? I mean, again. They, they put such a, uh, like you said, they, they have such a higher standard of performance for police officers because you've been given such a, a solemn oath to serve and protect. And so the standard sure. performance is much higher than that of the citizens because you hold literally uh, the lives of millions in your hands. And if y'all make a, a mistake, it, it, it's, it, it can be fatal and sadly, uh, it has been, and there is a, a group think that is going to ensue as a result of that. You're going to be held responsible for things that you personally didn't do, but by virtue of just putting on that uniform, you're assumed to be part of the problem. And when officers so right, walk off right the after, job, well, let me let me ask you this: when right walk, after, when officers yeah, walk off okay. the job or they they leave an assignment, like those 27 or 30 cops that. Uh, left that uh, special unit when Rayshard Brooks's shooters were arrested and uh, brought charges against, and those 27 or 30 officers left that unit, or they called in sick. I think they call it the blue flu when they protest the the, the treatment of their officers being held accountable. And yeah. when we see that as citizens, we have to... Uh, taint or tent our optimism with a, a warning sticker of caution because to overcome that is going to take changing the hearts and minds of people. And you, you, you've been alluding to that very, very clearly that the, the shift in the spirit is going to have to be a very, very intrinsic part of any type of realistic police reform because there's an element in the police force, Mr. Warren, that is diametrically opposed to the survival of black lives. And it hurts because the level of disdain that some feel, not all, some, I think is clearly squarely landing upon uh, ego, like you said earlier, and a disregard yes. for the, the the humanity that these these human beings possess, and to overcome that, um, I have some ideas of my own. But um, yeah, what were you going to say? I'm just riffing off the top of my head now. <laughs> so so I I truly believe, uh, out of all the things that we talked about for reforming police, I think that the the, the first thing that that everyone should do is that they should go through uh, a uh, black studies course, African American studies course. Understand, uh, understand the um, the dynamics of what it is to be black in America uh, today, mm-hmm. and, and how we got to where we're we're at now. That's right. Um, and so, so there's got there's got to be understanding. Uh, 
um, this 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 over willingness to dismiss uh well you know everyone everyone uh has problems in their life everyone has struggles mm-hmm. and the question but have any of your struggles been because of the color of your skin hmm. come on you know that that's that's a that's that's a, a big difference sure. uh, also uh, how is how is your today shaped by your yesterday mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so we're talking about how our history has shaped us we talk about the dynamics of, of fatherhood you know we talk about um ghetto right and so so i, I in in my career uh i've run units that uh that uh were strictly uh, about enforcing gang uh minimizing gang activities in mm-hmm. communities and 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 um so you got to understand what what are the you see the symptoms but really what are, what is the cause mm-hmm. and so i truly believe that it's in young people it's a hole in the heart if if your father is not there right mm-hmm. and uh, you know this being a psychologist the 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 most uh, influential person in a in in a in a boy's life is or a child's life is a same sex parent true well, if that parent isn't there, mm-hmm. you're left with a hole you, you want to fill as a child. Mm-hmm. And, and so that hole will cause you to do things uh, that, that other children don't, don't have to. You may, other children won't join a gang, but, but you will because you need, that, you need that affirmation, right? Or maybe you get that affirmation in sports. You know, a good example is Bo Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, Bo Jackson, probably the greatest athlete that's ever lived if, 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 if at least a, uh, I'm sure everyone put put him in their top 10 but uh he won some championship I think this was in baseball and he was crying mm. and the 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 reporter interviewed him I thought he was crying because they had won and he was so happy they won but he was looking at the other men and looking at their fathers mm. and for all his life he wanted his father to be there and I there mm. was a segment I saw where they showed his room and you know, and it showed a picture of his father. He just wanted his father to see him, hmm. to affirm him, to not, and that drove him mm-hmm. to be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that, that may be a, 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 a something that's come out of it that's maybe positive, let's say. But mm-hmm. there's much more negative that come out of out of uh, uh, someone yearning for their father or for their parent. Mm-hmm. And many times, many times, and I know this in my own family, many times, you know, that's, that's joining the game mm-hmm. and then everything that comes there. And for, for, for our, our young ladies, many times that is uh, wanting a child, something to love them mm-hmm. that will always be there to love them. Mm-hmm. And you could speak more on this than than I could, but mm-hmm. but I know enough to to understand that this is a perpetual mm-hmm. uh, recurrence in the ghetto mm-hmm. where we have children raising children, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. education not being at the forefront of anyone's lives, um, you know, uh, put in a situation where you're just left to survive you know, as best you can, you know, and if you, if you're raised by a single mother, 
oftentimes a single mother is just trying to survive, trying to trying to get you to a point where you can you can uh, you you can live a good life, mm-hmm. you know. But not being there without guidance, you're left to your own free will, and and sometimes that's not many okay. times that's not good. And we hear many stories of of people, you know, coming out of situations like that, but we hardly hear the hundreds, uh, multiple stories where, you know, this is perpetuated generation and generation. So for me, I grew up much the same. My, my father was in Vietnam. I, I didn't know him till later in life. Um, my mother, we were poor. We lived in projects. One thing I, I, I remember is I saw, I saw a family, an intact family, and I wanted that so so badly. So as I grew into a man, I decided that I was going to be a great father, that I was going to, mm-hmm. what I, what's termed now is break those generational curses, mm-hmm. break the generational curse, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I strive to be the best father, raise my boys best. I, you know, I'm, I'm there for them always. Right. Uh, in, in so many ways, mm-hmm. you know, in all the dimensions of being a father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I strive to be, and and the top at the top of that is being a good husband, one that that they, my boys can see that uh, that that family is meant for a husband and wife mm-hmm. that love each other, mm-hmm. and so that's so important, so important in anyone's life. Yes, but especially needed in our black communities. Absolutely. Um, so what you know, with that see, um, well what correlates do you see between that and law enforcement when when you speak about the absence of the same sex parent how much of an issue would you estimate exists within the ranks of law enforcement and how that compels them to perform when performing their duties well let me speak uh, as a black police officer Either way, uh, either way. Well, I'm going to speak first, uh, not just a law enforcement officer, but I speak as a black police officer. Sure. I think, I think, I think our, our uh, I think our, our duty as black men is, is doubled. Not only should we, should we uh, emulate a good family with our, with our children and, and, and our, our, our wives, but we also have to, reach down and pick someone up. Mm-hmm. We have to be that mentor. We have to be that mentor to a, to a young person. Mm-hmm. We have to, we have to be that guider to a young person. So if you're a, if you're a coach, if you're a, a mentor, you are, you are living your purpose as a black man, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that's, that's, Huge. That's huge. So as a black police officer, I'll tell you, I've had, uh, I remember this so clearly, a single mother come to me and you know, my son is acting up in school. You bring it. And he was, he was uh, 13. And uh, I talked with him and he was so defiant. Uh, hated the police. But I stayed with him. I stayed with him, talked to him broke down those barriers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, had him come see me 
uh, from time to time, watched him grow, encouraged him. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when this someone else said it's too late for him. He's mm. too old. Mm. Uh, I, I want to say, yes, it's more difficult when they're too old or they reach a certain age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, maybe it's a little more difficult, but mm-hmm. any, anything is, is possible with God. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, so I have to say, not only, you know, in my own home, I, I've, I've helped many young men. Mm-hmm. Uh, young men uh, grow and, and find their purpose and mm-hmm. and uh, you know be able to be uh, great great good men so mm-hmm. I'm important um, so there's something I came across that's in, important and uh, Byron Allen do you know who Byron Allen is? sure um, he wrote something that that is I think takes things to uh, 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 a different level because now we're faced with this. We have, we have these, these, uh, these open hearts and these open ears per se. And then, you know, how does reform reform happen? What, what is this opportunity about? And many of us can't really, okay, we want reform, but really what is that? And so he went on to, to say that in, in, in something he wrote here, um, uh, he talks about the true partnership, police reform, justice reform, reparations, education reform, economic inclusion, so important, mm-hmm. uh, health care reform, environmental justice. Think about Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and there's many more instances where we've been not only marginalized, but just uncared for at all. Uh, Right. Job opportunities, internships, mentorships, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, and then finally peace. So I'll send that to you. Um, I would love maybe you can share that with your oh, listeners. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Be- before we run out of time, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be lumping a lot of things together with this next one because we, we only have a few minutes left and I, I sure guys in advance that it's going to be such a loaded one, but you can handle it. I know you'll be able to handle it. But when you talk about everything that you just said, I listen intently and I listen to you, that, uh, that little beautiful uh, piece that you shared about how to survive the stop and, you know, essentially just come back home, you know, survive the stop and make it back home. And you talk about the, the role of, of instilling in young men so that you raise them up. Uh, to be productive citizens. Now I'm paraphrasing horribly, but the the, the notion is that, uh, well, this is what I took from it, is that I was thinking of Botham John, the, the, the brother in, uh, I forget what city it was, where he was shot in his own apartment by a police officer, Amber Geiger, where he was perceived, and he was a, a preacher, and he was perceived to be the closest thing one could get to a quote unquote perfect victim. And the the brother who was stabbed by uh, the white supremacists he was uh come out of the military and you know he was targeted just by virtue of his skin color and uh he's gone now so i don't want to put uh, such a cloud over the end of this interview but when you when you talk about mm-hmm. um police reform and this moment that we're in and this perception 
that black people, black men, black women are a threat to the common peace. And you have uh, a system that was put in place that many people feel is it's not broken really to the extent that it's, it's doing what it was designed to do in terms of uh, when you consider its genesis and slave patrols, it's doing what it was set up yeah. to do. And so in considering that and considering that perpetually we keep hearing stories like this, despite the fact that there is a microscope on this issue and people are still gunning down cops and cops are walking off the jobs or special units because they are protesting the right to shoot and kill down black bodies. Now, I am assuming a lot because I don't know each individual one of those officers. I can't assume that each one of them had that personal initiative on their heart, mind and soul. But to us, the ones that are victimized by it, we're seeing this and we're seeing no accountability. Last thing. And then you couple that and add in the element of these lynchings that we've been seeing with black men hanging from trees and Hispanic men found hanging from trees. And it's hard to not assume that the black population has a big old target on their back. And there is a, a, a palpable level of concern about safety and defending our families and our livelihood, livelihood and our manhood. So my loaded question, here I am, I knew I'd get here eventually. Um, can you mm -hmm. speak to that moment or speak to everything that I, you, you just heard from me in, in the best way that you can? And is this a time when people should be considered arming themselves and taking advantage of those second amendment privileges that are extended to uh, Americans in this country? Uh, what are your positions on those last few things in a nutshell before we let you go? Well, Rome, that, that's a truly a loaded question. Um, yeah. You know, um, every American has the right to protect themselves, you know, protect themselves in their homes. Um, but I, I do not believe that law enforcement in general uh, is is your enemy. I know that things can be polarized and and the, uh, those emotions and things we see uh, might be telling us that. I do understand that. Okay. But but I don't I I, I don't I don't feel it is dominant. I think the, you asked me a, a minute ago, is there hope? Well, I think there's, there's a massive amount of hope. Yes. I think, I think that, um, that by and large, most high majority of police officers are good, outstanding people. They care about human life in general they uh they sought this career uh to truly help and be a better part of society to 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 make not only their lives better but make everyone else's life better right um 
I do think, Hussein, I do think there's a lack of education, cultural education, which I think is is uh, definitely needs to be had. Like I, I spoke about uh, African-American Museum, understand, understand what the history is for any culture. If you're, uh, I remember we did have one training, I think it was Cambodian training, you know, and um, during that point, wherever, whenever you would, if you would encounter someone from Cambodia, if you were to put them on their knees, they would fight for their lives and run. Well, you have to understand that in Cambodia, in that culture, when you put on your knees, you were about to be executed. Mm. And so that that puts on a, a, a certain di- dynamic. So every culture has its 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 sensitivities. And for the police department, like I said, listen, it's not an easy job. No. And but it's a it's it's definitely a job that we can improve. We can have a mass amount of uh, improvement. And one of those ways is is uh, that we change behavior is is by changing understanding. Mm-hmm. And we do that through education, and we do that through interaction with the public. Mm-hmm. We do that with opening our hearts and our minds to to not only the fears of the community, but also the beauty of a community. Yes. And I think this this is how, uh, you know, the reason why we're diverse is because of beauty. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's it's amazing that we're all different. And if we have that type of attitude to embrace that, understand the fears and the 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 anxiousness mm-hmm. of people as well. I think that's the beginning of change. And I think that's I think that's where we're at. Yes. And that's why I am. You know, uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm. I feel secure that I'm not out for vengeance with this with this uh, police officer that killed George Floyd or any, any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that vengeance will be had. It's not, but I'm looking at the larger picture. I don't want his death or their deaths to be in vain. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we go on to being the same people, then they will be in vain. But mm-hmm. if we truly embrace change, then then we will we will uh their 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 lives will be be uh their deaths will be immortalized and and an agent for change and that's what i that's what i'm hopeful for i hope that answers your question i will graciously say thank you you did answer the question and i i will uh, be in agreement with you on that that hopeful tone of optimism that that indeed will become the case. Uh, Officer John Warren, uh, go in peace, good brother. Thank you so much for uh, spending this time with us and uh, sharing all this wonderful wisdom and enlightenment with us on Psychotic Bump School. Will you come back and join us if we ever need you again? Sure, I will. Thank you for having me on your show, Rome, and uh, God bless you, brother. Mm-hmm.